my goodness. Ladies, y'all can grab a seat. How awesome was this worship team? Can y'all give it up for them one more time? So good. Everybody say, so good. Woo. That's what we say around here. We say, so good, because we don't have another way to describe it. If I have not had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Andrea Isaacs, and my husband Jason and I just want to welcome you to our house, to our home. This is Hope City Church, and uh, we call it that because we believe that the hope of Jesus Christ, come on, changes the world, amen, changes the world. People need some hope. They need some hope, Um, but I am so glad that you are here. Can I tell you how pretty you are? Can I tell you how beautiful? Look to your neighbor, say, oh my goodness, you're so pretty. Now look to your second choice and tell them, you are so pretty. We are so glad that you are here. We have been spending um, quite a bit of time planning for tonight um, and getting ready. And there is so much more that is going to happen after this service. Um, But in these next few moments that we have together, again, can I just ask you to lean in? Here's what we mean by lean in. It means you're you're paying attention. It means there's there's probably something that I need to hear. I want I want to be close where I know that I'm attuned to what God is getting ready to say. One way you can do that is maybe grab a place to take some notes, take out your phone if you want to jot notes in there, um, or if you've got a Bible, I think that God has something uh, pretty incredible for us, at least for me and hopefully for y'all too. Amen? All right. Well, I just want to jump right in, um, but we started kind of thinking about, um, this is I want to say this. This is our five-year anniversary for Women's Worship Night. And it is our record-breaking attendance. So that's really cool, and that's worth celebrating. So y'all have shown up, and uh, you showed out, and it's good stuff. We we got a packed house, and um, I love that. I love that. I think think that that is pretty fun. Uh, But we started thinking about what we wanted to kind of... give you guys tonight. And if I could give any gift to each of you ladies tonight, it would be the gift of grace towards yourself. It would be the gift of saying, you know what? I'm doing okay. I really am. Uh, But beyond that, I want us to thrive. I want each one of us to thrive. Um, And I don't know about you, but for me, I had a couple of misconceptions about what my life looks like um, if it's thriving. And um, just that term for me has come to kind of mean like, am I hitting on all cylinders? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I, you know, producing something? But my two misconceptions that I had was that I thought that thriving meant doing more. That's the first misconception that I had. The second misconception that I had is that I thought thriving meant that I had to be thriving in all areas at once. And God is, listen, I am so, like, I kind of wish I was sitting next to y'all tonight and, like, hearing this message preached at me because I'm, I'm walking it out, um, just like, like all of us are trying to. So this is right, you are, you are about to get, like, if you were reading my journal, right, that's like you're getting what God is dealing with me about right now. But I wanted to kind of work through those, and here's where that journey started for me. I know that John 10.10 10, 
says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Right? So I know that God has big plans for me. I know that I am not supposed to be living a life where my head is hanging down and I'm feeling defeated and I'm feeling discouraged and I'm feeling like I don't measure up. Right? I feel like God has come and Jesus didn't die on a cross so that I can live in guilt and shame and saying, I I can't get it together. Why can't I get it together? So then I got to figure out, well, what does it look like according to God's standards? So John 10, 10 tells us that he's come so that we can have life to the fullest and life abundantly. But John 15 is where I see that image play out. John 15, if you've got it, this is where I want us to to start out tonight. It says, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean, amen, because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Right? So this is Jesus talking. These are Jesus' words. He's saying, remain in me. Also, I remain in you. No branch. Everybody say, no branch. We're going to come back to that. Everybody say, no branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain. Everybody say, remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you, what's the word? Remain. Remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you, you just go ahead and guess that it's going to be remain. Good. In me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Okay, let me read that one again. I am the vine. You are the branches. God's saying, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you, in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Here's what I've discovered, thriving is equated to bearing fruit. That's it. Thriving does not mean making a bigger salary. Thriving does not mean that I have all the loads of laundry done. Come on. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that thriving or that God's plan for our lives means that I have to measure up to perfection. Nowhere in God's word does it say that I have to be responsible for everybody all the time at any given moment or else I'm failing. Nowhere in God's word does it say that it's to my Father's glory that I do more. It says it is to my Father's glory that I bear fruit. That is what we're called to. That is how we should be measuring ourselves. That is where we should be finding our worth. Asking ourselves the question, am I bearing fruit? So for me, bearing fruit can look a lot of different ways. Uh, But I'll tell us a good place to start is with the fruit of the Spirit. Am I bearing joy? Am I bearing love? 
Am I bearing peace? Am I demonstrating gentleness and kindness and patience? For me, this looks different in different stages of life. And here's, here's what I mean by that. Like, and maybe y'all can, y'all can go with me on this. Sometimes God, the gardener, is really cultivating joy inside of me. Sometimes God, the gardener, he's really working on me demonstrating patience and long-suffering. Sometimes God, the gardener, is really trying to draw out of me love, gentleness. But what I've learned in my walk with God is that I don't have to, like, be perfect and, and getting it right in every single area all of the time. And I think that if we'll kind of start to change the conversation in our heads just a little bit and, and stop feeling so much pressure to check off more on a to-do list, if we'll stop putting so much pressure on ourselves to measure up to whoever the person is sitting next to you, and if we start asking ourselves, am I bearing much fruit? I don't know about you, but here's how the conversation goes in my head. Why aren't you doing better? Why haven't you figured out a system for the laundry yet? You, you, yeah, you ran two miles, but really you should have probably done four. Okay, yeah, I get it. You woke up early and did your devotion, but come on, we both know you should have had time to journal and pray as well. It don't really count if it was just five minutes. Anybody else? Okay, this is the conversation in my head. Why didn't you stick with that plan longer? Why don't you have your anger under control? You're 34 years old, Andrea. Why is your house a wreck? You should have planned better for this. Get your calendar organized. You should have been more on top of it. Shame upon shame upon shame upon shame. And I haven't even gotten to comparing myself to other people yet. I'm just dealing with me. And it's not what Jesus died on a cross for. He didn't die on a cross so that I am walking every day going, you should have done better. Man, what's wrong with you? Why can't you get it together? Disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. Not measuring up, not measuring up, not measuring up. But I have started asking myself, instead of what do I want to accomplish, I'm asking myself, who do I want to become? Who do I want to become? And allowing that question to drive what I say yes to. We've all got busy lives. We've all got planners and calendars, and whether it's electronic or the big kitchen calendar in your uh, home, like, it's full to the max. Y'all, I have four kids, okay? Like, I could just only have their stuff, and it would be a lot. That's not even talking about the other things that we have going on. But if I allow my life decisions and what I prioritize to, to be the answer to the question, who do I want? to become. I'm going to probably say yes to some different appointments. I'm going to probably say no to some things that I am guilting myself into feeling obligated to. Y'all with me? Okay, but I want to be who Jesus is calling me to be. I want to bear much fruit. Listen, Jesus isn't validating us the way that we think that he's validating us. If you started to think through 
the question and, and process, am I more joyful than I was five years ago? Am I kinder than I was five years ago? Am I more patient than I was a year ago? That is a whole different conversation than how come I can't lose these 35 pounds? <laughs> we live it, all of us, every single day. But I think that if we would start to see the priority in a different way, it would make a huge impact. It doesn't matter that you live up to what the others around you are accomplishing. The question should be, am I bearing the fruit that I am supposed to be producing? Because listen, we know apples can't be compared to oranges. And if you'll let me kind of work with this metaphor for just a second, you might not be an orange tree. You might be a pear tree, and that's okay. You know what I mean? And you're over here saying, how come they got 27 pears and I got three oranges? And it's like, well, you're not supposed to produce pears, so give it up. God, what are you calling me to? It is to my Father's glory that I not just bear fruit, but bear much fruit. Y'all know it. Y'all know it. I love it. Y'all know it. Okay. So here's the quick recap for that part. The first way to thrive is to start asking myself, am I bearing fruit? And the only way to bear fruit, according to John 15, is that I got to stay connected to, that's it. I got to stay connected to the vine. That's that word remain. If you're looking to be consistent in anything in your life, stop beating yourself up about not making it to the gym five days a week. Start evaluating, am I remaining in him? Am I connected? Am I doing what my father called me to do? Right? And when I'm connected to the vine, God is going to lead me to cultivate specific areas in certain seasons. An apple tree does not pop out apples all day, every day. You ever think about that? I don't know about you, but I get so discouraged. Like, why am I not getting this done? How come I'm not seeing this happen? When am I going to get this right? But listen, sometimes you go through seasons and like, it's awesome. And you're firing off and good things are happening. And other times it's a season of like, slow and steady. Wait it out. It's coming. It's okay. It's not your time yet. It's okay. Right? And we put all this pressure it's like, get it done, do more. Ah, ah. I'm so tired of more. Amen? I'm so tired of more. So here's what I want. I love it. So good. Yes, thank you. That's so awesome. All right, so our first big, huge, big, huge idea is we've, we've got the wrong misconception about thriving. We want to thrive by bearing much fruit. Everybody say amen. Okay, but we have a few obstacles in our way. Okay, it's, if it was just that easy, like we would all be doing it right. Okay, but we've got some obstacles. And here's the first obstacle that we have. It's our thoughts. I got to deal with this first. If I've got my heart right with God and I'm connected to the vine and I'm remaining in him, it doesn't stop there. The next thing that's internal really is my head, my thoughts. I know that the Bible Listen, it's so awesome because it's going to tell us exactly what to do. In 2 Corinthians says, uh, it's 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient in Christ. So listen, here's what that means. 
Anytime you start going down a line of thinking that is it what God has for you, you got to take that thought captive. It's like a physical action. I'm serious about this, y'all. If you walked around my house with me like the last three months, you would like see me going like this. Y'all know like dab, right? Okay, like dab. Okay, this is me in my house. Like stop thinking like that. Take it captive. Get it under control. That ain't Jesus. You know what I mean? Y'all laugh, but you're going to do it, and you're going to be like, Andrea told me, take every thought captive. Okay? And we all know this. I don't know what your deal is, but I'll tell you what my deal is. Okay? My deal is like, well, how come they always, mm, right? Why isn't she more, eh? You know I went to her shower, but she didn't come to my shower, and so we got to have a problem because I didn't do what she didn't want me to do, and I didn't have it. Take it captive. Y'all do it with me. Come on, captive. Let's just go. Take it captive. Just take it captive. Right? Yeah, you got to take that junk and get rid of it. Um, if you haven't had a chance to read the book Present Over Perfect by Shauna Nyquist, it's a great book that really deals with a lot of this, but I love this metaphor. She says, a friend told her, if you think about your prayer life like an Italian dressing uh, in the middle of a restaurant table, the vinegar and the oil separate. You mind with me? You know what I'm talking about? She said, if you envision your prayer life like that, take that uh, dressing, that Italian dressing, and go to the Lord and pour out the vinegar first. And all that's left is the oil. Now, the, the oil is just a metaphor, just to be churchy for just a second, for the Holy Spirit and that sweet aroma If I'll go to God and I'll pour out all the ugliness, the bitterness, I'm left with the sweetness. So you got to take every thought captive. Come on, take it captive. And here's what Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says. It says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If you're wondering, are my thoughts godly? Probably not if you're in my camp, (laughs) okay? If you're picturing ways to, like, send your husband to an island for, like, I'm just kidding. But, you know, like, that's not godly. That's not godly, okay? If you're trying to figure out, like, how to, you know, elbow him in the night so that he has a black eye, that's not godly. You got to think about whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. The next time that you start going down a line of thinking about a coworker, about your boss, about your husband, about your kids, start thinking about the things that are true and noble and honorable and praiseworthy about that person. Take it captive. And I love what the end of that verse says, back to 2 Corinthians. It says, make it obedient in Christ. Okay. That, instead of feeling like, well, my thoughts just run rampant and I got no control over it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says I can be very intentional about making it obedient to Christ. Okay? And I love, even Paul struggled with this, right? In Romans, he says, I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but sometimes I do the things I don't want to do. Anybody else feeling like Paul? I want to do it. Sometimes it's hard, you know? That's like my interpretation of Paul. But if we'll make it an intentional practice, that is something worth spending energy on. 
That is something worth fighting for. Okay, the next obstacle or kind of thing that we have to work on if we want to get our lives to a place where they are thriving. Once I deal with my heart and I'm remaining in the vine, and then I deal with my head, all of that's internal. Then it moves external, and I got to do something with my hands, with my habits. Because our day-to-day lives, they do matter. As much as I would love to just like wake up and like have wonderful thoughts about God and like stay connected to him and like remain in the vine all the time. Okay, like I have to do some actual things. I got to get some habits in my life. I got to use my hands in a way that is going to help me to bear much fruit. Okay, so here's what that looks like really practically. Sometimes God may be cultivating discipline in you, and so you feel like you're supposed to set your alarm clock for 5 a.m. and get up early. Praise Jesus. That's awesome. Do that unto the glory of God. But don't do it because you think it's what you're supposed to do. There's a difference. There is a difference. If you're in a season where God is really trying to develop that in you, be obedient. Do it. But stop feeling all this pressure. I got to get up early. I got to go to the gym. I got to read my Bible. I got to take care of my kids. And I got to do all of it joyfully. (laughs) Ain't going to happen. Right? It's so hard. It's so hard. Okay? But we do have some disciplines and some habits that we can create. If you're struggling with anger, stop putting yourself in bad situations. Slow down. Don't try to drive through the red light. Okay? Practical. It's just practical. Okay? If you're trying to cultivate um, generosity in your heart, you're probably going to have to give some stuff away. Great. Set up online giving that happens automatically. That's a healthy habit. Right? If you're like, there are things that we can do that get us in the direction of producing more fruit, but we got to check our hearts and know why we are doing them. Okay? Um, You know, Galatians 6 9, if we're doing these things, Galatians 6 9 says, don't grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Okay? So in those day-to-day tasks, in those day-to-day routines and habits, you can do them unto the glory of God. But, man, there's so much grace for the fact that we don't get it right every single day. Colossians 3.23 is that verse. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working to the Lord, not for human masters. So I would, I would sincerely challenge you to think about this. Okay, I have a limited amount of time in each day, and I want to bear fruit. So God, what do I need to be doing with my days that is going to help me bear much fruit? That is what your routine should be. That is what your habits should be after. Y'all with me? Y'all still with me? That's good? Is that so good? Okay. I have one last little practical resource. Um, I mean, this is like super, super practical. There is a company called Cultivate What Matters. Um, they're a great follow on social media, Instagram. Anybody follow them? Laura Casey, you may know this. Friends with Emily Lay, if you follow her. Um, but they have a, an actual life planner called Cultivate What Matters. And it, it, it prompts you to ask these kinds of questions. And so it works for your day-to-day life and your schedule, but it it does it in a way, it's really cool, you'll have to check it out. It does it in a way that um, helps us, instead of just checking off the laundry and the dishes and picked up the dry cleaning, some of that is there. But it's saying, what, did I spend more quality time with my kids? 
Did I, and, it, and it's, again, it's not everything all at the same time, but it kind of helps you to focus in on whatever those things, here we go, in that season that God is asking you to cultivate, all right? Okay, so we, we've talked about our internal, our, our heart and our thoughts. Then we've moved to our habits and our hands, and we want to um, put our hands to things that are going to produce and, and help us to bear much fruit. But another obstacle that we have for a lot of us, something that may keep us from thriving is relationships, certain relationships. And um, I want us to think about how are the relationship dynamics, our circle that we run in, our spouse, our kids, our coworkers, our family members, um, how are those relationships helping us to, to bear much fruit? You know if you're in a toxic relationship that it is not moving you in the right direction. We know it. We know it. But we got to do something about it. Um, you also can't do it on your own. Sometimes we think, well, nobody else, and I can't, and they make me crazy, and so I'm going to be like an island unto myself over here. That's not healthy either. Okay? The Bible, in fact, in Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Everything about the biblical example calls us to community. It calls us to doing life together. It, it, it calls us to loving and bearing one another's burdens. But I love this if we want to have just a really cool picture of how relationships are supposed to work. Did you know that apple trees will not bear fruit if you plant just one apple tree? Did y'all know that? If I planted an apple tree in my backyard, it will never produce a thing. You know why? It has to have another apple tree to cross-pollinate. How cool is that? And it can't be the same kind of apple tree. It has to be a different kind of apple tree. You need to be around some people who are different than you. Can I, come on. You got to be around some people who are different than you so that you can cross-pollinate, if you'll let me use that as an example, and you're going to take some of the good things from them, and they're going to take some of the good things from you, and you're both going to produce more fruit because of it. Right? We got to be in relationship. Like, it, it matters, okay? It matters. And here is even like a healthy way that you can pray about this. Because I, again, I'm going to just tell you my deal. I feel like I have to be best friends with everyone, like, since the day I was born. That's a lot of people. But if you will ask the Lord, if you're remaining in God, you're connected to the vine, you know what kind of prayers you can pray? Jesus, who am I supposed to be around right now? Who's supposed to be in my circle right now? And that is where I'm going to spend my time. And I'll catch up with those high school girls, and I'll go, you know, once a year, grab coffee with my college roommate or whatever, but I'm going to stop feeling guilty about the fact that I cannot be all things to all people at all times. And I just want the grace and the freedom to be like, you know what? God has put you in my life right now, and that matters, and, and that is going to be a priority. But you got to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is leading you to because if not, you're just going to walk around feeling, again, like you don't measure up. I don't measure up as a friend. I'm not giving enough to my friends. Right? Yes. Okay. That's, uh, okay. Yes. Amen. Okay. So ask God. Ask God who you are supposed to be in a circle 
with. All right, the next thing that some of us, so we talked about inside our head and our heart. We talked about doing something with our hands. And then who we're doing those things with helps us to thrive. But now it kind of turns to supernatural. All right, those are all pretty much things that like I can control those parts of my life to some degree. But I think for some of us, why we haven't um, been bearing as much fruit as we would like to bear is because we haven't made the right investments. We haven't made the right investments. We've invested in the wrong things or we haven't invested at all. Because our human nature tells us, I'm going to try to thrive with what I have right now. I'm going to take those resources. I'm going to take those relationships. I'm going to take those experiences, so on and so forth. And I'm just going to try to do what I can do. And we don't capitalize on one of God's laws about sowing and reaping. Listen, Jesus said in John 12, 24, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That verse makes me want to be planting seeds everywhere I can. I want to be investing where I can that's going to produce a harvest. And if we're not thinking about the long game, we are running around on fumes and exhausted and wondering why we are not thriving. Why can't I get out of debt? Why can't I get this to happen? Why don't I have a relationship yet? Why haven't I succeeded in my business? Why haven't I, why haven't I, and I would ask you with all the sincerity of my heart, have you invested in a way that is going to produce beyond your current circumstance and situation? And I think this applies in so many areas. But to give you a few positive places that you should be investing, it's always a good idea to invest in the house of God. We know that it is at the center of God's heart, the bride of Christ. So you can never come up short investing in the house of God. Okay? I think it's important to invest in mentoring relationships. Who can you go and spend time with? And it is a time investment. But who can I go and and literally kind of sit at the feet of that's going to produce or help me to produce much fruit? Listen, right now, some of us, me included, we're investing in our kids right now. And I'm waiting to see that harvest. I'm waiting for them to be like world changers who are going to produce much fruit. Amen? But I got to invest right now when it matters and when it counts and when it's inconvenient and when I'm tired and I don't want to tuck you in and I want to go to bed, but I'm investing in you. Makes a difference. So ask God, okay, here's the area in my life that I am not thriving in. God, what do I need to invest in to see this blossom? What do I need to invest in to see this grow? Okay, here's the next kind of supernatural one. That is totally a God principle. Some of us are not thriving because we don't know how to vacation. Some of us are, again, like holding on to those resources that we aren't willing to let go of and and invest, like, you know, throwing our seed out and seeing it be something big. We have a misconception thinking that, again, if I do more, I will produce more. 
But God's world actually works totally different. God's kingdom works totally different. We see this all throughout the Bible, but we see it early on in Genesis when God works six days and he rests on the seventh day. That he actually allows us to do more, produce more, bear more fruit when we learn to vacation to rest, to have margin. Listen, I am, I'm so about to tell on myself. Okay, I definitely have a personality that leans itself towards like just maxing out, okay? So like when I was like 18, 19, 20, 21, I was not a partier, but I was living like a partier, okay? Let me tell you what I mean by that. I'm like staying up till 2 a.m., crashing on my bed in my jeans or outfit or whatever I wore. I'm like driving my car on empty 24-7. I'm maxing out, no margin. My bank account, it's like, I got $5, it'll be fine. Taco Bell, you know what I mean? Like just no margin, no margin in any area of my life. It's like, you wanna go out? I worked 12 hours today, but yeah, let's go. You know, no margin, no rest. Didn't understand the concept at all. Like, if I'm standing, we're, we're going. Okay? Can't live your life with your foot to the gas pedal. And God didn't design us to do that either. So for some of us, if we want to thrive, the most godly thing that we can do is learn to rest. You go to your job, you work five days a week, and you give it everything you've got. We already said, whatever work you do, do it as unto the Lord. But you find a way to rest. It is ungodly. Listen to me. That is going to that, that convict some of you. It is sinful to not rest. Do you know that? It is ungodly to not rest. Listen, Hebrews 4, 9 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Thank you, Jesus. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort. Woo, this is so good. Make Some of us need to work harder at resting. That's a crazy concept. Okay? Work harder at resting. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their examples of disobedience. I did not realize that. That it is disobedient to not rest. Okay? But here's my last point as we wrap up. Some of us are not thriving because of the environment that we're in. Some of us are not thriving because our work environment is toxic. Our home is toxic. What we have surrounded ourselves with is not working. Maybe for some of you tonight, the environment that you find yourself in, it just feels dry. It just feels dead and barren and harsh. That sounds like a desert to me. And the Bible has a lot to say about the desert. Because we know a group of people, the Israelites, who spent quite a bit of time in the desert. And God gave them a promise. And when they went to check out that promise, they said, yep, it sure is flowing with milk and honey. It sure is beautiful. We are never going to have it, though. And that is exactly what we do. We know that God has given us a promise. And we look to that promise and we say, yeah, 
Looks great. It's beautiful. Never going to happen. And we kill it with our words. The Bible in Numbers says that the spies who went to check out the land came back to Moses and Aaron, and they started complaining and and saying it was never going to happen and grumbling. And then it says that they went to the whole company and complained. They did not just take their fears and concerns to the bosses. They went to the whole company, the whole crew of Israelites. And this is what it says in Numbers 14. It says, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. And you know what? They did. We need to guard our words. We need to watch what we are saying. Every single time that you complain, you are giving the people around you permission to complain, and then you wonder why your environment is so negative. We talk down about, we say it'll never, we complain, we grumble, and then we wonder why nothing is going our way. We wonder why our kids are always whining. We wonder why our coworkers are always trash talking in the lounge. We wonder why our spouse is never affirming. And that may be where you are tonight. But here's what I know about the desert and about my God. Whenever the desert did not supply what they needed, he sure enough did. He sure enough did show up and say, okay, you need some quail? I got you. Okay, you need some manna? I got you. So whatever situation you are looking at tonight, ladies, I am here to tell you, he supplies all your needs. Will you stand to your feet, please? Come on. Whatever you are hungry for tonight, whatever you need in your life, listen to me. We want to thrive. So check it out, girls. We got to deal with our thoughts. We got to deal with our habits. We got to deal with our relationships. We got to deal with our investments. We got to deal with vacation. And we got to deal with our environment. Amen? Amen. Come on. We got one more song for you. Don't miss this moment. We have a prayer team that is coming down in front of these altars. One song. That's all you get. You get one song. And whatever you have need of, I want you to get to the vine. I want you to ask him. I want you to say, God, help me. This is what I'm asking. So while we're singing this final song, this prayer team, they would love to pray with you. But beyond that, we just want you to have this moment between you and God.